Welcome everybody to Spirituality Adventures. This is a non-judgmental place to explore spirituality, and we're so glad you're here. This is a viewer and listener supported podcast, so we greatly appreciate your support. If you're watching on YouTube, be sure and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Be sure and like, share, and subscribe to any of the social media content platforms that you're using. And then if you go to our website, spiritualityadventures.com, you can make a one-time donation or with a monthly subscription, you'll gain access to our bonus content. We greatly appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in. Welcome everybody to Spirituality Adventures. We're glad you joined us for this episode. And today I have Jordan Wilson with us. Jordan is a, uh, a business owner. Is that right, Jordan? That is correct, sir. And uh, he's uh, he's grown up kind of in and around the Midwest area. Uh, he is uh, somebody I just recently met, Matt Cox, Spirituality Adventure producer, um, connected us and said, hey, Jordan's got a kind of a cool story and I think he'd be good on the podcast. So thanks for joining us today. Really appreciate it. Yeah, no, thanks. Thanks for having me. Excited what, to be here. What's the name of your company? Uh, up consulting. So UP up consulting. So we, uh, we specialize in helping small business owners, uh, really to, um, you know, kind of find business breakthroughs and, um, accelerate profitability. Okay. So we, mm -hmm. How long you been doing that? Uh, so up consulting has been around, we've been around for t two years now coming up on our second year. So okay. it's been, been a lot of fun. I, uh, I did consulting in the past, uh, so I had about 10 years of consulting experience before kind of uh, starting this one. Um, took a break from consulting and and actually bought a, a plastics manufacturing company uh, down in southern Missouri, down on the Arkansas border in the middle of nowhere. So got out of Kansas City for, for a couple years and then moved back um, late in, in 21 and December of 21 and, and kind of started to lay the roots for the consulting business then. So, all right. Excellent. Well, I'm going to come back to the business side of things, but let's first, let's kind of uh, help our audience get to know you a little bit. Like where were you born? Where did you grow up? What was your family background like? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so born in, born in Nebraska, Lincoln, Nebraska, uh, both my, both my parents grew up in the same tiny town, less than a thousand people, Weeping Water, Nebraska. So uh, it's kind of just small farm community. So most of my extended family still have uh, ties to, to farming. Um, and born there, lived there till I was about five and then moved around quite a bit. I actually I think I went to like five different kindergartens. So we moved, uh, you know, every, every year pretty much until I would say I was in middle school and then we, we landed in Andover, Kansas, which is on the east side of Wichita. So middle school and high school, I, I, I grew up in Wichita and then went to the University of Kansas after high school. So proud Jayhawk. We got a uh, yeah. big game, big game tonight against K-State who beat us a couple weeks ago. So <laughs> I know. So we're recording uh, this on January 31st, 2023. And uh, for those of you who don't follow KU basketball, uh, KU got beat by K-State 
for the first time in what eight years or something like that was it yeah i think it's been been like seven seasons seven or eight at least yeah yeah yeah. Uh so now they have their rematch tonight and uh it, 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 I, I'm guessing KU is going to get a little bit of revenge. Are they playing in Allen Fieldhouse tonight? It's an Allen Fieldhouse, so yeah. a little bit of a different story yeah. when, when we play at home, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but let's jump back to Wichita. So I was born in Wichita, Kansas. Awesome. Uh, I was born at St. Francis Hospital. I, I think now it's uh, some other kind of uh, mental health facility or something like that. But uh, yeah. Any rate, um, what high school did you go to? Andover Central. So oh, okay. yeah, Andover, Andover is east side, east side of Wichita. Um, and so it actually, Andover was just one school until I was in middle school. I think when I was in sixth grade, they opened up Andover Central. And mm-hmm. so I ended up okay. going there. Yeah. 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 Did you do any sports in high school? Oh yeah. Big, big time sports, um, football, baseball, ran track. Okay. Yep. Yeah. My dad's a Wichita guy. He, he played basketball, Wichita North in the fifties. He's 87. He's 87 now. And then he went on basketball scholarship to a little, um, uh, college in McPherson, Kansas. Yep. And, uh, played there for a couple of years and, and then went into the coast guard. But, because he's such a huge basketball fan, uh, he 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 put a basketball in my hands since I was a little kid. Even though I was never really great basketball player, I ended up being a really good distance runner, like cross country track stuff. But yeah. um, but my dad raised me on a love for basketball and uh, yeah. and and a love for KU basketball. There you and, go. Uh, and uh, NAIA basketball, small school basketball. You know. So, but I'm a Baylor grad. So the only time I get conflicted is when Baylor and KU play. Yeah. And uh, then I'm like going, ah, you know, I grew up with KU, but I gave a lot more money to Baylor. So I think I'm, yeah. (laughs) Something about that changes things. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Oh, man. Yeah. So what did you major in at KU? Yeah. So I, you know, it's interesting that being 18 and they, they ask you to kind of choose what it is that you want to do for the rest of your life. So I, I think I picked doctor at that point in time. I said, oh, well, doctors, doctors make a lot of money. I think I'll do that. So I started off in uh, chemical engineering, ended up um, actually changing it a couple of years later, just stuck with uh, biology. Uh, but with all of the chemistry that I had, I ended up with with two degrees so a degree in biology and then a degree in biological chemistry okay and tell us about your family background what was your family like uh or did you have a faith background was there a business culture background in your family you mentioned the little farm towns where you was there yep yeah what tell us a little bit about kind of the family context as it relates to like say your family faith and your family business orientation yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I uh, always grew up in the church, um, both my parents. Um, so they kind of cool story. They they 
went to the same daycare before preschool. They started dating in like fourth or fifth grade, never dated anybody else. They got married when they were 19 years old. So still together, happily married today. Um, Good for them. Yeah, it is. It's it's kind of, you know, unique in today's world. So I'm very blessed to have, you know, a great um, example of, of, family, um, you know, growing up. I'm the oldest of, of four kids. Uh, so I have two two younger sisters and then a younger brother who's 11 years younger than me. Uh, so quite a bit younger. Um, but yeah, we we grew up, I think my, my mom's side grew up in a Methodist church. Dad's side grew up in the Lutheran church. Um, we moving all over we never really had a set denomination i guess as far as church that that we we um went to so more non-denominational uh bible preaching uh the church that we went to in andover uh, you may be familiar with metro east was the church that that i kind of grew up in um it's a baptist church uh but yeah so always had had real strong roots to to my Christian faith growing up, um, was, you know, a, an advocate leader for it throughout high school, you know, a part of the uh, fellowship of Christian athletes, fellowship of Christian students. So it always played a big role. Um, college was different than, you know, transitioning to an extremely liberal uh, school and studying sciences. It was, that was a, a, an interesting time as far as uh, crossroads for, for faith, science, how to navigate, you know, where my beliefs and all of those things kind of uh, came together. But yeah, that's, yeah. that's kind of, kind of, yeah, where it all started. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Um, I, <clears throat> I was uh, like when I was 14, I was an athlete, <clears throat> but when I was 14, I kind of got into the recreational drug scene, did that for a couple of years. My, my parents started getting worried about me. We got a new Baptist youth pastor at the Baptist church. They made me go to a summer camp the summer after my sophomore year. And I ended up um, giving my life to Jesus felt called to be a pastor and went back my junior year to Park Hill and started the fellowship of Christian athletes at Park Hill high school. Oh, that's awesome. (laughs) So it was a big transition from my sophomore year to my junior year, you know? Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, so, um, but yeah. And then I went off to Baylor. Now I'm curious. I love the, the conversations around faith and science. And I've interviewed, you know, all kinds of people on here, including, uh, even a couple of people that would be kind of like more atheist scientist kind of people as well. Right. So, yeah. uh, um, yeah. So I'm curious how to like, how did, how did you end up navigating the, the faith science thing? It, you know, and it's, I, it's all in the, the pursuit of knowledge. And I, I don't think I appreciated where I was at when I was in college. And I think I was quick to kind of put up walls, um, you know, and whenever somebody would challenge either my faith or my beliefs. Um, and I think there's a lot of misconceptions out there around things such as evolution. What is evolution and the separation of evolution and, and the church? And 
I wasn't educated enough to know that, you know, really that the Catholic Church even backs the theory of evolution and all that evolution is really talking about is, um, you know, a designation towards a specific trait over time. And uh, so navigating that, it was it was an interesting time. Um, and the University of Kansas is extremely liberal. And so a lot of the professors are vocal about their beliefs and, you know, quick to kind of shut down. I remember I even took a course in college. It was called Understanding the Bible. And I picked it up. It was just an elective for, um, you know, my biology degree is Bachelor of Arts. Um, And so you have to have a certain number of electives in other areas. And I was like, oh, this will be easy. Grew up in the church. You know, it's just going to be a cakewalk. And the whole premise of understanding the Bible, the course was almost to disprove it. And it was, <laughs> you had this challenging professor who really wanted to challenge, you know, how it was written, the context of when it was written. And, and it just rubbed me so wrong that I ended up dropping the course. Um, and and so I think my, my approach to how, how I evaluate or, um, I guess that land on certain beliefs and, and how the science ties in. I do believe that God, God has a hand in, in all of it. And evolution is a proven theory at this point that there is, you know, natural selection of traits over time and things do change. Um, and, and that can fit with my personal beliefs and they're still being uh, design and, you know, um, God being involved in, in all of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, I will. I don't know if you've run across this guy or not, but um, uh, Francis Collins okay. was uh, he was one of the uh, original. Well, he was he was the guy him and one other guy were a part of the human genome project. OK. And they, they were the ones that literally mapped, decoded, you know, DNA and yeah. you know, all the uh, all the information that is uh in in the in the dna so they they literally mapped it they were the guys and yeah. uh then he's been the uh nash he's been the uh, director of the national institute of health nih from 2009 yeah. to 2021 so he even was in that wow. position all the way through the pandemic yeah. um he's a brilliant brilliant science guy but he's yeah. also a believer and uh, yeah. he, he wrote a book called The Language of God, Francis Collins. Uh-huh. But then he also founded a a uh, website and a podcast called Bio Logos, Bio Logos. So bio yeah. being, you know, the, mm-hmm. the Latin word for life, Logos, yeah. and the, the Greek word for uh, the word or the principle of of uh, everything that's out there, you know, kind of deal, the way the Greeks used it. So at any rate... Um, it's an excellent uh, podcast and they just bring on all kinds of yeah. scientists that are all over the map in terms of, you know, their understanding of God or their, or their, or their, they could be atheist agnostics or believers, but they, they right. have this incredible platform and they, they bring in every kind of scientist, you know, that you can think of and it's just really good stuff. I've always been kind of a fan of theirs and certainly, you know, they're, they believe that, you know, their stance would be that they, you know, God is involved in the process of evolution. You know, God is right. 
God is from the beginning, constantly creating, creating out of creation, creating out of creation, creating out of creation. And that God's been a part of that process from the beginning. So uh, that's kind of, that would be kind of my position as well. I, I was never, uh, I went to Baylor and actually Baylor in, in the early eighties when I was there was, was the, the religion professors were actually quite liberal as well. And, uh, um, but my, but was interesting, like I would take geology and my geology professor believed in evolution, but was believed in God too, you know? And so I had a lot of, uh, interesting professors that, that integrated faith and science. So that kind of put in me, cause I always love science and right. uh, that put in me that I've always tried to integrate the two throughout most of my life and career, you know? Absolutely. But, yeah. Yeah. So, um, so how, tell us a little bit about your, you know, get moving from college into the business world and maybe, maybe, Get, give us a little insight into uh, the ups and downs of what that was like for you. Right. Well, I, you know, I think it all kind of ultimately leads up to, you know, where, where I am today. And it's, it's been an interesting journey. And I think it, it kind of all goes back to really that, that uncertainty of of being in college and not necessarily knowing exactly what I wanted to do. Um, you know, I thought it was maybe towards med school, but I, I worked, you know, a few jobs through school was paying it off as I went. By the time I graduated with my bachelor's, I was like, I, I'm not going to any more school. I'm done with that. I ended up uh, getting into protein science, was a food scientist for a couple of years um, in Chicago after I graduated. Uh, that business ended up closing. Um, I think the owners got into some stuff. Don't know exactly what it was, but there was, uh, you know, it kind of went from, um, you know, chapter, chapter 11 bankruptcy to chapter seven rather quickly. They pulled like 2000 employees into an auditorium and said, it's the last day. So here you go. Uh, luckily I had, you know, where was was that at? Where, where's um, that? Bolingbroke, Illinois. So okay. just 15 miles outside of downtown Chicago. So I was mm. living in downtown Chicago at the time, working in, in Bolingbroke. Um, the name of the company was, was Quantum Foods. It was a, a protein processing. Uh, so it was a pretty cool job as a, as a food scientist. My, my biggest account was actually Subway restaurants. So we made mm-hmm. all the protein solutions for different restaurant concepts or um, – retail too. So we, we, you know, made the steaks that you see on the shelves at at Walmart or whatever it may Mm. be at at your grocery stores. Um, And my biggest account was working with Subway restaurants. Um, So we provided all of the different meats that you see in their restaurants. And so when that company closed, um, I had this unique opportunity, built some good relationships actually with Subway. They they had me kind of act as a consultant and I got to travel around to other manufacturing plants and kind of get them up to speed on all the projects that I had been working on for them. Um, and so that was really kind of my first introduction into the uh, consulting world. And, okay. Uh, so it was, it was kind of a fun experience, you know, 20, 24 year old kid traveling around, uh, getting to, to, be a part of different organizations and work with different teams. And 
uh, really, really enjoyed it. Um, and at, at that time, so in college, I, I met my my now ex-wife, um, and so was transitioning through that. She moved to Chicago with me. We, we actually moved back to Kansas City so she could, she was a few years younger than me, so she could go back to the University of Kansas and, and uh, continue working. Um, I was working just kind of remotely traveling, uh, doing consulting, uh, working with different manufacturing companies, things of that nature. Um, so we ended up uh, getting married eventually. Uh, along that journey, I think it's it's interesting and looking back on it, just that the spirituality that there was definitely some identity crises that were happening that I, I don't think I was aware of at the time. Um, and I don't know exactly when it started, where it stemmed from. Um, but I think kind of graduating with these degrees, not wanting to continue my education, I never grew up and said, I want to be a, a protein scientist. You know, I don't like working in labs. I don't want to, you know, that wasn't, wasn't exactly a passion of mine or the, the journey that I saw myself on. Um, I knew that I wanted to help people and, and I was passionate about that, but that was about as far as it went. Uh, so I think professionally, you know, in my, my mid twenties were really this flux state of just, trying to find paychecks and also trying to, to navigate what I enjoyed doing and finding, you know, something that I felt gave me purpose or meaning. Um, and I think in that, without that piece um, in my professional life, it, it kind of, I really drifted towards uh, finding that sense of identity um, or purpose in my relationship uh, with, with, you know, my ex-wife, I think there were uh, some strong codependency um, habits that, that ended up developing and it put stress on things. But um, it just this lack of um, meaning, and for lack of a better word, I guess, but lack of purpose uh, was really where I felt mm. uh, spiritually. I had kind of gotten out of the habit of going to church, you know, um, it was something I still had my beliefs, my religious ties. It was always there, but I wasn't practicing my faith. I wasn't mm -hmm. active um, in my faith. And so I think without that, it, it was just this big search. Um, and I didn't even realize or know what it was I was searching for, if that makes sense. Um, and I know I know that you've mentioned re recovery before. I've caught a couple of, of your podcasts, but um, it's that was something that that ended up becoming a big kind of part of my life. I think in in those uh, tumultuous times in in my mid to late twenties, uh, you know, I had always kind of drank too much. Um, and then after getting married, there were some issues in, in our marriage. And unfortunately, things kind of um, fell apart. And mm. that really accelerated uh, my drinking. And um, kind of really at, at that point, when, when you don't feel like you have purpose or meaning in what you're doing professionally, and all of your ties are kind of uh, to your identity are wrapped up in a relationship that um, has become your foundation. And then that starts to fall apart. Kind of found myself at these crossroads where I didn't 
didn't know really where I was, uh, completely lost, um, and ended up leaning on, on alcohol to kind of drive, drive me through those times. Hmm. Yeah. Well, it's kind of crazy. I had that little, t- that uh, had a period in my, you know, teen years, 14, 15, 16, I was doing the rec drug scene and that was more of a peer thing, but right. didn't really want to have anything to do with church. And then I ended up, you know, having this pretty powerful spiritual experience, followed Jesus, became a pastor. Then all these years later, um, as a pastor, I'd been, uh, you know, not didn't wrestle with drugs or alcohol, but, uh, but had been an insomniac and I wasn't sleeping much. Most, most of 30 years <laughs> finally yeah. went to a psychiatrist when I was 55 and he tried me on a bunch of different things, but the thing that worked was like, it was Xanax. And so, and yeah. unfortunately I think this was an older psychiatrist and uh, he put me on it. I was on Xanax every night, you know, for the next uh, like two and a half, three years. And I, I unwisely, stupidly added at one point added alcohol on top of the Xanax Mm -hmm. because the Xanax had kind of worn off and stopped working. And so now I'm drinking and drinking and doing Xanax every night. I probably did Xanax and alcohol every night for two and a half years. And that, that unraveled me and uh, ended up, you know, being, losing my marriage, losing my career, losing, literally losing everything virtually except for my life. And then I got in, I got in recovery about three and a half years ago. So, Mm -hmm. um, uh, so that, and that, that's been a real big part of my life. The last three and a half years is, is the recovery world, the 12 step world. I work with a lot of people in that world now. Um, so, uh, yeah. So how, I mean, did you start, were you, were you like drinking in high school or did you just really kick into that in college? Were you just kind of like a, uh, a weekend warrior drinker or did it become daily yeah. at some point? Yeah. Um, so growing up and was there any drugs at all, as well, or just alcohol mainly? Oh, you know, <laughs> I think in, in high school, I, I messed around with, with marijuana, you know, at some point, but that was, as far as drugs, drugs have always scared me. Uh, I don't know why, but I've just always kind of, I don't, I don't like taking, I mean, even over the counter drugs, your ibuprofen, aspirin, I stay away from, from most drugs altogether. Um, but drinking, uh, both my parents, neither of them, um, ever drank growing up. There was never alcohol in the house. Um, and I was so focused on sports growing up. I was, I was an athlete my whole life. Mm-hmm. And so I, it was, it was a no brainer. I was not going to drink. Um, and so it, it really wasn't until I got to college and, you know, sports were not relevant anymore. I was no longer competing. And then I, I started to drink, um, mm-hmm. actually got my start you know, managing bars in, in Lawrence, Kansas. So I was working in the scene and around it, you know, bartending. And so just really, um, that's, that's where I met my ex-wife. We worked together, you know, in a, in a bar, um, in, in Lawrence, Kansas. And 
Uh, so it's it was always prevalent at that point. And I think I always drank too much. It was more of a weekend warrior thing, I think, through um, my 20s until the marriage really started to fall apart. That's when it became a, a daily, um, you know, habit where it was something that w- was more of a necessity. It, it, it kind of just engulfed me at that point because I, too, you know, there were. There wasn't sleep without it. There wasn't, you know, all of these things. Um, yeah. And so it was the the only only coping mechanism that I knew of at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I drifted to it. And so how long do you think you were drinking every day? <laughs> Just curious. Oh, probably a couple of years. OK. And then. Couple like, were you were you always telling yourself you were going to you were going to quit or you'd only have this amount? Were you trying to self-limit or were you just going for it? There were times, obviously, it, it, it would kind of go through, you know, I, I was, I was fortunate enough to where it, it never, it did affect my professional life, not to the degree that it could have. Um, I was able to save face. I was able to, to somehow be able to kind of function. You hear terms like, high-functioning alcoholic, things like yeah. that. And, and I guess you could consider that me to a certain degree. Um, looking back on it, I wasn't really functioning at all. Mm. <laughs> I was there maybe physically. Yeah. I was able to, you know, kind of coast by, uh, but wasn't wasn't functioning at a very high capacity by any means. Um, and then, yeah, that, as you kind of get into – alcoholism and there's a point where you're doing it for relief and then when you start to actually develop those chemical dependencies um you know to where you've you've pushed it too far and now all of a sudden i'm I'm worried uh to go and even talk in front of you know employees or something without drinking a beer because they'll notice me shaking and the beer will help my hands stop from shaking yeah, yeah, and you know, there's these these chemical dependencies that start to happen, and then yeah. that's when it gets really scary. And so, yeah, yeah, there were definite times where I was scared, and I knew I needed to try to self limit, um, mm. you know, try to wean myself off, and you would, you know, cut out mm. liquor, beer only, or whatever. You know, there's a hundred different ways to try and do it, um, mm. but at that point, it it really had me and its grasps and there there was no there was no me being able to navigate or self-regulate at that point wow yeah yeah it stops being fun it stops being anything other than like you got to do it just to get through the day kind of a thing and and calm and calm yeah yeah wow well how so what what was your, what was your wake up moment? How did, because you evidently you, you, you got divorced, you kept drinking, you're, you're still doing your job. Yeah. And yeah. So at that what, point, at that where point, where were you working that, at that time when like, say when you were drinking was at, at its worst, where were you, what was going on in your work world? So a lot of it kind of was during this transition time of actually taking over and owning uh, that plastics manufacturing business down in Gainesville. 
So um, the divorce happened around the same time. I used the excuse to kind of get out of Kansas City altogether. Um, I needed needed kind of a fresh start. And so first really experience um, into business ownership and the difficulties that, that come along with, with being at the helm of something. I had, you know, very blessed with some amazing mentors, uh, you know, growing up um, and, and in my professional career leading up to that point. But you can have all knowledge in the world. Nothing prepares you uh, for being a business owner and, and having a, a staff. I think, you know, t- today we have 37 employees. It's always been around that in the 30s. Um, and it's a different world. So this uh, was an existing was this an existing business? An existing business. Was it an yes. LLC or a, an, yes. was it a privately yes. owned business? Small privately owned privately business. Owned, small, small privately owned. And you, guy had were you a part owner or did you, did, did you and somebody else go in to buy it? Or? Yes. Me, me and my family went in on okay. it together. Okay. So um, it, it's something my dad had always kind of worked corporate. America I would work for mm-hmm. some extremely large corporations, um, had had a ton of uh, professional success throughout his career. He had always wanted to do something. His dream was always to kind of bring, bring the family kind of back together. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I had one sister was, um, a plant manager in a manufacturing plant in Nebraska. I had another sister was a nurse, um, at a hospital in, in Lincoln. Um, and my brother, um, at the time, he was, was still in high school getting ready to graduate, uh, but we kind of started talking about that. What's the future? Where are we going to go? Um, and wanted to try and find something. So I ended up talking with some business brokers. At, at that point, it didn't really matter what the industry was. Neither of us had you know any experience in anything plastics related, um, but we knew knew how business works. And, yeah. and so yeah. this, this opportunity kind of came about. Um, and so we jumped at it and that was, um, you know, early 2018. Um, and it's been a, a super fun experience. Uh, my, my siblings all work down there now, uh, live down there. I had to get out. I had to, to move back to Kansas city. So I still, still, uh, run things kind of remotely, but, um, yeah, yeah so that's, let me Go I'm gonna get I'm going to get back to that in just a minute. I'm going to take just a just a quick uh, moment to for our listeners out there. Hey, if you've been listening to Spirituality Adventures like what we're doing, I want to encourage you to jump on the website spiritualityadventures.com and join our support team. If you sign up for a monthly donation, uh, you will be able to get our our bonus content like we did did a did a great fun interview with with Jordan here before uh before we got to the main podcast, but there's some great bonus content and uh, it, we really are a supporter and listener, listener supported podcast. So we really appreciate that. Be sure and like uh, listen and uh, share the content that you enjoy with your social media crowd. And uh, we just greatly appreciate you tuning in to spirituality adventures. So back to Jordan, Jordan, I'm curious, um, uh, what was the name of the company again that you guys bought? Uh, so it was uh, previously Bryant Plastics. Um, huh. Now it's it's Wilson Wilson Industries. Wilson and Industries. So we, we make we make PVC pipe. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, yeah. And what what would have been the annual sales uh, of that? Contract. What's what's like the annual sales on that company? 
oh around 10 10 million revenue mm-hmm. annually mm-hmm. okay and uh and and when you when you bought it it had about 30 employees or so yes okay yes. and then about that time is when you went through a divorce and your drinking was at its worst yes okay yes. so how did that play out <laughs> Well, I think it, 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 it played into it, I think, at a point. You know, it, it started out as, um, you know, me trying to escape the drinking, uh, take on a professional challenge, um, move away from Kansas City, find something else to kind of pour myself into. Um, the place needed a ton of work. Uh, it's, it's a different world down there. Um, it, it's kind of overrun with with lots of its own issues when we when we first got down there we implemented a a drug policy and we lost 80 percent of our workforce in in one day when we implemented a drug policy so you mean uh, like you 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 started uh doing like random drug tests or something like that or not random just one just one in order Uh. to be be able to pass a a drug test and so and we do that you know uh do a ua for anybody that that comes in um Mm -hmm. but ozark county where gainesville is 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 the poorest county in in the state of missouri um it's so it's it's just a different different way of life down there it's beautiful country sits between you know two lakes a lot of people are just happy living very minimally you know they have their trailer and their fishing boat so there's not a lot of uh you know the drive the aspiration to to excel um so when it comes to staffing and and anyway there were just a whole lot of different challenges that i had never experienced in my professional career up to that point um and so trying to navigate all that i mean i was I was literally living at work, you know, converted a, a small office space above the manufacturing floor, put a, a mattress in there, literally living in the yeah. office. Uh, so it was, again, just kind of fed into this. I don't, what, what am I doing? Where, what has my yeah. life become? Um, and, and it accelerated and, and fed into the drinking and, um, until it finally kind of hit ahead and, and it hit a point where I was, I was going to lose everything. Mm. You know, I, mm. I had already lost a lot, uh, but I was, I was on the verge of losing my life, you know, and you I were was, single. Is that right? I was, I started dating again to uh, my, my now fiance. So we were together through, through part of that transition. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. But who, so who was there somebody in your life that was like, like Jordan, you got to get your shit together. <laughs> you know? yeah. Was there uh, like, or was it yourself? Did you just come to it on your own? There Both. were friends, friends, um, you know, my fiance now obviously was, was a big part of that. Um, and I think what, what really woke me up was when it started affecting when, when coworkers and employees, Mm. you know, would make mention. Mm-hmm. And for me, that was as close to rock bottom as you could, you know, mm. get it just that the shame that I felt at that point. And, and I knew, I knew that I, I had tried every way to try and regulate it on my own. Um, and I needed, I needed some, some type of professional 
help. Yeah. 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 When you, when you kind of were trying to describe the, uh, the small Southern Missouri town there, um, it made me think, do you remember that movie that was kind of like an independent film that came out called winter's bone? I never Uh, saw it. Okay. Jennifer Lawrence is one of her early movies, you know? Okay. And, uh, and she, she did an amazing job, but it's literally filmed in the Ozarks in Missouri and kind of one of these little trailer park meth capital kind of places. And, uh, she's trying to navigate. She's like a older sibling that has to take care of her own younger siblings just because the family's so dysfunctional. But, uh, anyway, well, um, so, so what kind of professional help did you end up seeking and how, how are things going? Um, you know, so it's been coming up on, um, it'll be two years in, in May since I, I checked myself into, uh, there's, there's a wonderful, wonderful, can't say enough, uh, amazing things about, um, the, the rehab that I checked myself into was, uh, Synergy Executive and it's in Springfield, Missouri down there. Uh, so I did 30 days of, um, inpatient, um, with them. And it was just a tremendous help. I think, A, I, I don't know how I would have strung together 30 days without having a drink on my own. So just the mm-hmm. fact of being able to get four weeks of, of uh, you know, clarity and the amount of clarity that comes back to the mind once you allow your body to start healing in that way. Uh, so that kind of started, um, you know, the journey. And then I continued to uh, work with them um, outpatient, um, going and 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 trying to educate myself more, uh, just, just around, uh, around addiction, around, you know, recovery, around what it is started doing some, some deep soul searching. Um, you know, what, why, why did I end up where I was? And that's, you know, kind of going back to some of the things I was saying that in looking back on it all now, I think not having that identity, that sense of purpose and how those things ended up manifesting um, into these, these issues. Mm. Um, I really was at this point where, where there was this, this lack of identity. I had lost, um, not necessarily lost my faith, but I wasn't practicing my faith. It wasn't a part, it wasn't being incorporated in my life in a way to where um, it, it was useful to me. (laughs) So, um, so, um, so yeah, after, go ahead, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say, so after, after the 30 days, um, you know, kind of really took some time to, to spend a few months really trying to build up, um, you know, how can I find those things? Um, and, what ended up, this actually ends up playing into uh, the consulting business that, that I now have. Um, I remember being in, in therapy and, and my therapist talking to me and she introduced me to um, this Japanese concept, Ikigai. Are you familiar with Ikigai? No. So Ikigai, so I-K-I-G-A-I. Ikigai is a, a Japanese concept or philosophy, um, and it's it's a tool that they use to help try and derive meaning or purpose. And so, really, if if you look it up, 
there's kind of like this Venn diagram that's made. There's four different categories. And so the questions that they ask are, you know, what, what is it that you love to do? What are you good at doing? What does the world need? And then, um, you know, what, what can you monetize or make mm. money doing, make a, lo- a living off of? Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, the cross section of those four categories, you know, what I love to do, what I'm skilled at, what um, the world needs, and then what I can get paid to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started really thinking about that. So she, she introduced me to the concept. Um, I, th- I think there's, there's a book that I bought off of Amazon. I think it's just called Ikigai. If you, if you look it up. Hmm. Um, Is this the guy's name? Or is it a concept? It's it's the name of a concept. Okay. Name of the concept is, is Ikigai. And that's, Mm. that's what your Ikigai is the intersection of those four questions. Yeah. That's a great, those are four great questions to work with for sure. And, and so that's, that's really, you know, where a lot of that exploration was and that time became this exploration place for me. And, um, you know, and I've, I've always loved working with people and coaching and, um, helping and developing, um, you know, and, and I have a lot of skills and, and experience in, in business related areas. And of course you, you can get paid for it. And, uh, so, so really consulting kind of fit that mold for me. Mm. I didn't have it all figured out, you know, kind of right away, but, um, I think that's, that's really that time in my life was when I really tried to start shifting, um, shifting how I went about living. I wanted to start living with purpose, with intention. I've, I've always said those, those, you know, couple of years where, where I was really drinking every day, it's like, they became like this lost time. There was, there was nothing, no growth happening. They, they were dead years mm-hmm. uh, where there wasn't growth. There wasn't development. And when there's no growth, there's no development. You know, if, yeah. if you're not growing, you're dying. So, right. um, you know, since then my, my life has, has, been more focused towards that. I try to stay very mission oriented, um, mm-hmm. you know, what it is, figure out what it is that's, that's important to me, figure out exactly where it is that I want to be, where I want to go, mm. um, and then make progressive steps towards it. Um, you know, people, I've, I've said to people that I've, I've figured out the, the secret, the key to happiness. And for me, the key to happiness is progress. Mm-hmm. Um, finding out, finding out ways to just continue to grow, to continue to get better. To me, that equates happiness yeah. and me. So, so what's the name of your, your company? Tell us again. Yeah. So up, up consulting, up consulting. Um, and, Do you have a website for that? Yeah. So if you, if you check out up Institute, so up Institute.com, uh, you can get more information about, you know, kind of what it is that, that we do. So that's, that's a lot of the work that we do. Um, there was a big need obviously kind of through the pandemic. And so all of, all of these transitions are kind of happening at that same time. Um, and you know, the world is shifting in this way where people, they're not happy with their corporate jobs. Everybody's that they're calling it the silent quitting, uh, the you know, great, era. the great silent, resignation, the great resignation, uh-huh. that's the other <laughs> one, right. And they want to, they want to venture out and try all of these things on their own. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, it's, it's extremely difficult and the success, uh, is not the, the 
success, the ratios are not in your favor if you're going to be uh, try try to be a small business owner. Right. And so finding right. a way to where we can help help people that are trying to navigate that maybe for the first time um, it is is important to us. And that's that's really where we try to fit in. Um, just mm. on the educational front, we've we've gone out and invested in a bunch of um, educational material. We have complete, you know, virtual. Um, MBAs that we offer online uh, to just kind of help bring people up to speed um, and then really just helping people lay the foundations um, and, and organize. We, we bring kind of that large corporation mentality. I, I was very blessed to work with a lot of large successful corporations in the past, bring that large corporation mentality and attention to detail into the small business world and help, help small business owners navigate mm-hmm. it and, and, um, yeah, structure in a way that's going to allow them to grow and be prosperous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause you know, a lot of entrepreneurs, uh, who start these small businesses, you know, they have a, you know, they have a vision, a dream, a passion sometimes. Um, yeah. but sometimes they don't have the, uh, uh, the systems approach to, uh, you know, all the different components that go into, building a successful company, what, what were, what, if you, if you thought about maybe the top three things that you've learned about leadership, about small businesses and about maybe even what small businesses, what, what's a pretty typical scenario for a small business and uh, what's one of the, what are some of the top three ways that, that they need to, that, that they can grow and learn and develop like leadership lesson wise yeah. kind of thing. As, as far as leadership, I think um, through through those trials and the things that I've learned, um, I, I've learned a lot about being able to, when, when you have employees, when you're trying to lead a team, really starting to lean in and listen to what it is that brings them energy. I think, you know, in any professional um you know, setting or atmosphere, you have a list of things that need to get done, right? And sometimes those things kind of just get delegated however they get delegated. Um, to me, true leadership is, is getting to know each person and, and know their strengths, know their weaknesses, know what brings them energy, what doesn't bring them energy. I've, you know, worked with businesses before and, you know, come in contact with ladies who are in charge of entire sales departments, but hate making phone calls it's like how do you how do you get to being a you know vp of a sales department and you hate being on the phone it, just things like that and but how can we find uh each individual's assets and place them in positions that are going to highlight um you know what it is that's bringing them energy yeah. and, and to me that has been more helpful than, than anything else and, mm. and how i've you know, gone about helping businesses structure their management, uh, their leadership programs is really kind of focused on individuals and helping people develop. Everybody wants to develop at different rates. Some people have bigger aspirations than other people. We need to understand what those things are. And it all comes down to, to really communicating. Um, and then I guess the other big thing that, that I've run into quite a bit um, and it, it ties right in with what we've been talking about with this mission, with this vision. Um, I'm a firm believer that uh, 
a business's mission statement is probably the most underutilized tool that <laughs> small businesses have. Um, and just being able to, to derive clarity of purpose of, um, you know, where it is that they want to go, what it is they're wanting to accomplish and understanding the difference between, oh, there's, there's business goals as far as like numbers we want to hit, but is it serving some type of an overarching, um, you know, goal? What, what is it that we're trying to accomplish for the community? Um, you know, for, for me, the, the, the PVC, uh, company, the plastics manufacturing company, it's no, it's never been about making plastic. Yes, selling selling the PVC pipe provides the money, right? But you know what the goals are to be able to bring quality jobs to a, a struggling community, to be able to be a pillar of um, you know support for different organizations, different things happening in in a community, bring people together from um, a place to truly develop skills, um, mm -hmm. opportunity that isn't necessarily prevalent in that area, right? So, so there's a difference between what makes us the money and what it is that we're trying to accomplish. Mm -hmm. And so I, I work with business owners to separate those things out and make sure that the whole team is kind of on the same page. And that's, that's really what a mission statement does is it helps um, lay the foundations for that type of communication mm. uh, that, that so many organizations struggle with. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Excellent. On, on your first uh, point um, aligning, you know, getting people aligned with their strengths, like a strength, strengths finder kind of idea. Who was who the guy that, that worked, that written, wrote some great books on, uh, you know, working out of your strength. I'm blanking on his name right now. Business, uh, guy. Oh. Well, anyway, I'm blanking on, uh, and I'm blanking on the name of the book, but anyway, the strengths finders, uh, that concept yeah. of, you know, when you start a small business, like all hands on deck, so everybody's doing everything to cover all the bases. And a lot of times you wind up working way outside your, your, your right. strengths. You're right. Um, right. And so trying to get those, trying to get people aligned and moving in their strengths is such a, right. a huge deal. Um, it's a huge deal and, and being able to organize it in a way, you know, cause that's the other main problem with small business owners is like you said, it's all hands on deck. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they, people make the joke about the, the CEO, the chief everything officer rather than the chief executive officer. And that's, that's really kind of very true for a lot of business owners. They feel like they have to be a part of everything and they're overseeing everything. Yeah. Uh, so being able to organize and systemize in a way to where it, it, it aligns with those strengths is really the key. Yeah. Cause there's, there's two components and how they fit together. Matt uh, just showed me it's is a Marcus Buckingham, Marcus Buckingham. He's written a lot of good okay. stuff on, on strengths, strengths assessments, out. working out of your strengths. And then the other, the other point you made about mission, it's so interesting because like you're, you're in a, you know, a lot of classic economics is goods and services. Right. And uh, right. I, I forgot to turn my, uh, my uh, do not disturb. That was me, I think. Uh, but yeah. So um any rate, uh, I heard one guy say one time, you know, businesses are typically made up of goods and services, yeah. but it's really all about service. Right. And, and yeah. as you, I heard you talk, say, talk about your mission, 
even though yeah. you're, a, you know, you're making plastic pipe, right? Right. But the, but the real mission is, is bigger than that. And it's how you serve, how you serve your customers, how you serve your employees, how you serve your community uh, and how, 100%. how you make a, an impact way beyond just this, this, this product that you're putting out there on the market. Right. I, I love that. I love that purpose driven kind of, you know, missional piece to work life. And it's not just about money and paycheck either. Right. No, no, I, it's to me, I think, you know, and, and this is what I, I work with business owner, the, the more value that we can put out into the marketplace and you put value out in lots of different ways, right? Not just the goods, the, the specific services that your business may be structured around, but the, the overall value, like you're talking about, you know, that the, what are you bringing to the families of your employees? What are you bringing to um, anybody that walks through your doors or that you come in contact with and finding ways to do that? And, and that ends up having a much bigger monetary effect on the business in the positioning. We, we work a, a lot around market dominating positions and positioning uh, businesses in certain um, ways in their you know, specific uh, uh, market. So we try to evaluate their assets and position them, their differentiational points or differential points um, and, and use those to leverage their position in the marketplace to make mm. it better, to, to show their value in a different way. Mm. Yeah. And when you have such, when you're working with limited resources, you know, how do you make the biggest you know, impact right. with those limited resources. It's a, a allocation of limited resources, you know, so, well, good stuff, man. I've enjoyed uh, uh, talking with you. So mention your website again, yeah. how do people find you? Do you have social yeah, media pages, that kind of thing? Yeah, you can, you can find me on, on Facebook. I'm not, not super big on the social media, but uh, definitely check out uh, Jordan Wilson um, on Facebook um, but our website, if, if you guys are interested on, on finding out more about um, our consulting business and the services that, that we offer, you can check those out at uh, upinstitute.com, upinstitute.com. Um, any specific questions, you can also um, email me, jordan at upinstitute.com is, is my email address. So, Yeah. Well, excellent. Well, uh, thanks so much for joining us. It's it's always good to hear somebody else's story of recovery as well, and then how that's played into your your work world, your mission now in life, and how how um, even from difficulty we can transform that into ways to uh, be a blessing to those around us in the world and absolutely, even, you know, through every avenue. So. Yeah. Well, thanks for, thanks for being with us on spirituality adventures. Thanks for sharing your story. Um, folks, thanks for turning in, tuning into spirituality adventures. We appreciate it. Uh, God bless you. We'll see you next time. This concludes today's episode. Thanks for tuning in and listening. Remember if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe to my YouTube channel. Remember to like, share, or subscribe to the social media platform that you're using. And then go to our website, spiritualityadventures.com, and make a one-time donation 
or you can subscribe monthly and receive our special bonus content. Thanks so much.